Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, a podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to another episode of Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Lucinda O'Reilly, who is the founder of the International Trade Consultancy. Welcome to the show, Lucinda. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Glad for you to join me. Uh, I think you and I met at one of the exhibitions in Birmingham at the NEC, didn't we, last year? I can't remember it which one it was. It may have been Advanced Engineering. Which advanced is Engineering. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. It's it's almost a year since we had that meeting. So uh, glad to have you on the show. So we're going to be talking about international trade. Incidentally, my my very first guest on, on my first episode of this podcast was, was Terry Schooler. Uh, chairman of the Institute for Export and International Trade. And that was back in March 2022. Quite a lot's happened since then. So from, from your perspective, how has the landscape of, of international trade evolved since then, you know, concerning the UK? Yeah, um, it's it's complex, definitely. And interestingly, um, I should probably start by talking about some of the things that were supposed to have changed, but for one reason or another have been delayed um, because that's just as problematic for um, businesses who are who are trying to plan and get ahead. Um, and one example of that would be the implementation of phase five of the new computerized transit system. So transit is a, a very useful customs procedure um, that hundred well many, many countries around the world have, have signed up um, to the Common Transit uh, Convention, and it allows yeah. traders to move goods through several customs territories without paying import duty and needing a new customs declaration each time. Yeah. Um, but the system's rather rigid at the moment, and phase five was designed to allow more flexibility, which would be very useful for traders and customs brokers. But that's been delayed, and inevitably that's going to have a, a knock-on effect to other um, programmes that are, are being rolled out at the moment, such as the new Customs Declaration Service, um, yep. which is the software that's used to manage all the imports and exports for the UK and, and keep track of what's coming in and going out of the, the country. Uh, another thing to, to talk about, I'm sure you've seen in the news that rules of origin requirements regarding electric cars were due yep. to come into effect on January 1st next year. And that would have mandated that 45% of electric vehicle parts by overall value and 60% of the electric battery must be sourced in the UK or the EU. Now, Jeff, mm -hmm. you and I are both following um, Andrea Wilson's campaign for uh, a minister <laughs> yes. for manufacturing or, yes. or just, you know, even a nice coherent industrial strategy would be good because we have not had one for many, many years now. And as a result, um, you know, we, we just don't have the, the manufacturing capability for uh, electric batteries in this country to come even close to complying with that rule of origin. So that the tariffs when we export our electric vehicles would have been um, astronomical. Yeah. Um, and as 80% of British manufactured cars are exported, obviously not all of them are are electric, but it gives you an idea of, you know, the, the damage that could do to our 
automotive industry. Yeah. Now, fortunately, we buy a lot of German and French cars in this country. And so um, it's equally in the EU's interests to not implement that particular rule that was supposed to be coming in in January as um, stringently as, as was planned. But the uncertainty has been a huge distraction for businesses. Yeah. And, it's not good for, for anybody. October 1st, so just a few weeks ago, we saw the introduction of the next phase of the Windsor framework, yep. uh, which brings in new customs rules and checks on goods moving between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. And the new stage sees the introduction of the Green Lane and Red Lane system. So two um, sets of customs checks will be performed according to where the goods are going. If they're just going to Northern Ireland, uh, then they go through the Green Lane and they're subject to minimal checks. Mm. Um, and to qualify for that, you have to um, sign up for, we're calling it a sort of trusted trader scheme, but you know, you've got to get authorization from HMRC and be able to yeah. prove that goods are, are staying in Northern Ireland. But if they are likely to be going across the border to Ireland or over to um, the, the continent, then uh, more comprehensive checks and, and more documentation will be required. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, it's a positive development. Yeah. Um, food sold in Northern Ireland will apply to, uh, will be subject to UK food standards now. So that's going to put an end to the the much covered sausage wars, if you remember yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. when there was a, a fear that there might be a, a ban on chilled meat products being yeah. sold in Northern Ireland from Great Britain. So, you know, very, very slowly progress is, is being made in that direction. Mm. And there's been there's been positive developments as well. I don't want to sound too gloomy. Um, so for example, the digitalization of trade. In September, the UK implemented the Electronic Trade Documents Act, and that gives um, digital trade documentation the same legal footing as paper-based equivalents. Yeah. And a fully digitalised shipment was sent from Burnley to Singapore very shortly after the, the act was um, brought in. And we're the first of the G7 nations to, to do this. The government's saying that it's going to yield 1.14 billion uh, benefit to the UK economy in the next 10 years. So that's that's definitely um, a very positive development and good that yeah. we're right at the forefront of implementing that new technology because it could be a real game changer. It makes and a change for us to be to, to be at the front rather than, than following well, others, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, we work in the manufacturing sector, so you and I know as well as anybody that um, you never hear about the, the good news stories. You don't hear about the huge numbers of UK manufacturers who are doing a fantastic job and yeah. exporting very successfully. All you hear is about, you know, when a plant gets closed down, but um, let's not get into that. That might yeah. be another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we also made progress with um, a number of trade agreements. Yes. Uh, some of them are building on what was rolled over from the EU, like Vietnam and South Korea. And then we've got new ones with six of the US states, uh, which could be, be beneficial for, for some companies. And a huge amount of work has gone into the India um, trade agreement, which hopefully yeah. is pretty close to completion now. And that could be... Um, that could be 
very important for, for British manufacturers to and food producers as well. So it's now about it's a huge economy and uh, uh, you know another you know large industrial nation, isn't it? You know, I think that absolutely the power is sort of shifting from power shifting from China, isn't it? For you know, India is the next uh, the next big thing. Very much so, yes. You know, extremely well-educated, young population. So, uh, yeah, a, a very good uh, trading partner to, to have an agreement with would be extremely beneficial to our economy, I think. Yeah, yeah. What What are the main sort of challenges and, and opportunities you're seeing at the moment for, for UK manufacturing? Well, I mean, as I've just been talking about, there are so many changes constantly going on. Um, in international trade and so the main challenge is just keeping up to date uh, with the ones that affect your particular industry and the markets that you you trade with it's you know if you're an SME manufacturer when you're focused on sales and marketing and innovating and production and you know the the challenges of running a business um, to also stay abreast of legislative changes that, you know, may affect how you're able to to do business internationally. Mm. It's a big ask. Um, And it's also really frustrating when they spend time and resource planning for a change in customs procedures or legislation, and then it gets delayed. You know, they could have been doing something much more productive with their time. Yeah. So that's very um, that, that's a huge bugbear for a lot of manufacturers, I know. But there are also, you know, to, to talk about opportunities, um, understanding special procedures is something that I really, really urge all manufacturers to to look into. Mm. I mentioned transit earlier, which I think hope it was pretty clear, you know, how that could save money in in duty and and VAT when you're going through different customs territories. Yeah. Um, Other ways of doing that would include using customs warehousing, which a lot of people don't know about. Inward and outward processing, you can reduce your your duty liability there as well. In the last few years, the UK's network of free ports has expanded um, significantly. And, And... there were a lot of um, companies who were thinking of setting up manufacturing in the EU. And my advice is always, well, actually think about um, relocating to a, a free port in the UK yeah. instead because you get huge tax benefits and significantly reduced customs um, requirements that you have to comply with. Um, and you're staying in the UK without having to, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to set up a, a manufacturing plant abroad. So those, those are some of the, the opportunities that I would I would draw people's attention to. And where just on the free ports, I am not fully up to speed with the was there one in the northeast? There was a new one, I think, in the Yeah, northeast. it was a very successful one in the northeast. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh then we've got one um around one the Thames. We've got Felixstowe. Yeah. Liverpool is doing really well. Um, Southampton. Where are the others? I think Plymouth, I think maybe one, but don't quote me on that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, we've got eight um, up and running uh, properly at the moment, and yeah. uh, they're, they're a useful, a useful alternative if you are thinking of, of relocating for whatever reason. Yes, and let, let and let's just repeat that message for any businesses that might be looking to to relocate. Don't relocate outside the UK. 
get and relocate to where there's a free port. So yeah, great bit of uh, advice there. Okay, so oh, crikey, there, there's there's loads of geopolitical stuff going on at the moment, affecting pretty much all all parts of business and society. Have you got any you know strategic? Uh, recommendations for UK manufacturers to, you know, to help them remain competitive internationally. You know, there, there's always these bolts out of the blue. Something <laughs> kicks off in some part of the world, and then you know, it's it's uh, you know, people have to change what they're doing. Or I mean, it's it's just shifting sands all the time, isn't it? What 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 advice could you give to to businesses that, that you know looking to you know compete internationally? Yeah, ups protectionism is becoming more of an issue these days. And with the, you know, invasion of Ukraine and what's happening in Israel and Gaza at the moment, you know, there are so many areas um, that are looking quite unstable and it's it's very nerve-wracking if you, you trade internationally um, because, as you say, you know, one minute you're doing business quite happily and the next minute, uh, you, you could suddenly find the rug pulled out from under you. So the first thing I would always say is never put all of your eggs in one basket. Um, yep. Don't focus too much on, on just one area. Always have alternative suppliers, um, not just in your back pocket, but if you can, and, you know, worked in manufacturing for many years, so I know this isn't always possible, but try to buy from as wide a range of, of suppliers. It always have at least two or three suppliers yeah. of, of a particular, you know, an important raw material or components. Yeah. Um, so that if a pandemic suddenly hits and all the factories in China shut down, you know, you're, you're not completely hamstrung by it. Um, or if the USA suddenly decides to slap 25% tariffs on on your product uh, that you've been selling there tariff-free for donkey's years, then, yeah. you know, you've got all alternative markets to, to sell to. You need to monitor uh, the geopolitical situation on a, a weekly basis. Again, yeah. it goes back to, you know, how much time you've got. But um, good communication with suppliers and customers is absolutely paramount. Um, you know, the, the people on the ground will be able to give you a, a heads up long before you you read it in the paper or hear about it on the on the television yeah and then sort of you know more specific things you can do um again i'm going to go back to special procedures because not enough companies are using them and they are paying duty unnecessarily and they are restricting their cash flow unnecessarily by not taking yeah. advantage of them um Keep an eye on the terms of new trade agreements. Um, if you're already exporting to one area of the world, shouldn't be too complicated to, to start selling somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, it's it's good for the resilience of your your company to have as many export markets open to you um, as possible. And let's not forget, you know, products manufactured in the UK are still hugely in demand and yep. very highly regarded around the world so take advantage of of that um but yeah and also um going back to you know reviewing your your international suppliers that's especially true for your logistics providers um 
don't just assume that the company that moves your goods to the EU very competently would be um, equally as good when you need to ship stuff to the USA or Asia because they all yeah. have their, their specialties um, and, and prices that are quite fluid at the moment as well. So it's always a good idea to to shop around and, and see if uh, anyone's offering a, a better price than what you've been quoted from your, your usual supplier. Yeah. So a, a big a big chunk of work then. Uh, I mean, this is all going to be taken up by you know purchasing procurement departments and, and and leaders, isn't it? Certainly on the on the sort of supply side, and I suppose it it, it sort of underpins the the need for the whole organisation to be talking to one another. There's no room for silos. Um, no. You know, your sales salespeople, you know, talking regularly to the customer, um, and then you know cascading what those needs and demands are going to be through the business planning uh manufacturing and then purchasing you know the, these are the people that have got to not just get the materials and the components in they've got to make sure that the the prices are right and the delivery times uh all align it's uh i think for most people that don't work in manufacturing and i i, I supply manufacturing i don't work in manufacturing anymore i used to years ago um but people that haven't worked in manufacturing um i think they they probably under underestimate the actual complexity of what it takes to run a manufacturing business where you've got international customers and international supply as well as the stuff yeah. on your doorstep so um yeah it's it's never easy oh that's right that's really brilliant advice um the the, the different departments mustn't be siloed especially uh, you know i used to work in the the sales side of it um and it's always a customer asks you for something, you know, and your your first instinct is always to say yes to get the sale. But <laughs> then when you go and talk to the people who've actually got to ship it out there, you've agreed to something that's, you know, going to have cost implications potentially or uh, affect um, the, the lead time. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing I really wanted to, to bring up today that not many people are aware of is um, foreign currency. People okay. often don't think about FX and just manage it all through their banks. Mm. And I strongly advise against that because if you use a proper FX platform, you'll get a much better rate and you'll get proactive advice as well um, as to when would be a good time to, to buy and sell the, the currencies that you're trading in. So um you take anything away from today start looking for fx platforms rather than uh doing it through your bank because you save yourself an awful lot of money with not much work ding now there, there's a huge golden nugget there for uh for the audience and that's that's one that yeah i hadn't anticipated coming out of this conversation but that's that's really interesting thanks for sharing that what so t tell me about your your journey uh lucinda into the world of international trade and you know how did, how did you find your your business where where was your inspiration and uh you know what what sort of what sort of complexities are you helping businesses navigate all all fantastic i'm really curious well going back to the the very beginning um i did my degree in english literature and french which of course uh qualified me for absolutely nothing um apart from teaching perhaps which yeah. i knew i did not want to do um, and so I got a temp job uh, with an industrial flooring distributor, uh, which I took just because it was 
quite close to where my parents lived, so I could wander out of bed at about quarter to nine in the morning. And they imported this industrial flooring from Belgium and sold it to factories and warehouses all over the UK. And then the Belgian manufacturer was bought by an American company who were an absolute nightmare to deal with. So we decided to start manufacturing ourselves in the UK. Yeah. And obviously it made sense to export the product to increase, you know, market, uh, protect the business if things went um, south in the UK, as they tend to do every now and again. So I was traveling all over the world, finding and managing distributors, um, which was a lot of fun. We had customers in most of the European countries, as well as North America, uh, Latin America, the Middle East, Southeast Asia. And we were a small company, so I was responsible for the logistics and customs side of things as well. Once I'd sold it, I actually had to deliver it to them. Um, And I found it really interesting, which I needed to take to a much deeper level uh, when we left the EU so that I could continue to supply our customers there without them um, having any additional admin or costs because uh you know they sort of said well you know this is your problem you deal with it which i had some sympathy for (laughs) yeah um and in the process it became really clear to me that there was a huge gap in the market for sme manufacturers who needed practical solutions to their import and export problems that were specific to their unique circumstances yeah because most of the information that was out there it was very generic um, and it's no good giving someone the same advice who wants to import leather from Italy as someone who wants to, I don't know, import plastic from France. It's, it's just not the same thing at all. So yeah. I, after 20 years at Ecotile, I was ready for a change anyway. And I thought, right, the SME manufacturers need some, some proper support here. So um, that's when I, I set up my company to, to fill that gap. Wow. So it, it's certainly not based on a whim. It's been based on your experience. And yeah. uh, I, I guess, you know, a, a whole host of learns and challenges along the way that you've had to deal with firsthand, uh, which I think if you're consulting anybody, having that previous experience is uh, worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Yeah, and I find it absolutely fascinating, um, customs. I don't know, it's a very dry subject for most people, but um, <laughs> every, everyone's got their, their yes. quirks, I suppose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and also, it's incredibly rewarding to help companies um, import and export successfully. As I said before, British-made products are in huge demand, and I passionately believe that a lot more... Um, British manufacturers should be exporting yeah. their, their products. Proven that exporters are more innovative, more profitable, they pay higher salaries, um, they're more resilient. So I'm on a real mission to, to get as many uh, UK manufacturers exporting as I, I possibly can. And yeah. yes, it is difficult, but the challenges aren't insurmountable. Um, the help is out there. And uh, yeah, I, I really would encourage anyone who isn't at the moment to do it, or maybe to start up again if you were exporting just the EU before and then gave up because it was all too much of a pain with the new yeah. rules and regulations that came in. Yeah. So, so for businesses that are already exporting or maybe have done it in the past, they they will have uh, some experiences that would you know probably guide their. Um, 
decisions as to how how far they want to grow internationally. But for for UK manufacturers that haven't exported, and I know a lot of them already do, but for for the ones that haven't or maybe haven't done it for for decades, what 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 are the key factors today that that these businesses should should consider before entering you know the, these new markets? Yeah, um, you really need to to do your research so that you're making informed decisions. Um, should you sell direct or would you be better off finding a distributor or yeah. an agent? Understand any trade agreements that apply and what you need to do to take full advantage of them. Um, is your product going to be competitively priced once you factor in duty and transport and it's essential to get your commodity code right as everything customs related you know the the level of import duty that's payable whether you need an export license whether there are quotas available everything stems from your commodity code so make sure that that that's accurate um, and also understand the the full implications of the inco terms you're you're using these are um they relate to transport and delivery, and they determine who's responsible for the cost and the risk at each stage of the journey. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people think they understand them, and then something goes wrong, and they find out that they were liable for stuff that they didn't realise that they had actually signed up to. So, um, mm. yeah, make sure you don't just agree to the Inco terms that your customer asks you for uh, without really understanding what you're agreeing to and making sure that you um, price your products accordingly. Yeah. So th there, there would be, uh, you know, not being, uh, you know, doing this type of work myself. Um, would there be a, a, a sort of typical negotiation at that point in terms of, you know, when you're going to sign up to something, you know, is, is there a little bit of wiggle room or margin, you know, can, can, can a UK manufacturer sort of negotiate, the contracts you know taking these inco terms in, into consideration you know as you say you don't really want to just say yes you're going to supply and then you have to fall in line with what the customer is asking there there could be other other parameters or other other processes or 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 deliverables that make it as favorable for the manufacturer to export as it is for the international business to import them from the uk i mean how how, how does that work i'm just curious and i'm sure other people that don't you know that don't do export would probably be wondering yeah well how yeah is it just a, a one size fits all this is this is the process or you know because a lot of businesses i talk to them all the time and it, yeah customers customers king not 100 percent of the time most of the time but you know I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of businesses that would want to to feel that you know their their products all services are, are adding value, but that they're not, you know, they're, they're not sort of operating at a disadvantage to maybe some of their competitors who might have other agreements. So how how standardised is that sort of whole process? Yeah, it's a really uh, good point. And one of the fun things about international trade is there is always room for negotiation. So, you know, with the, the bigger companies, payment terms being uh, one of the, the most uh, talked about ones, I guess, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to say 60 or 90 days and, and that's that. There's there's nothing you can do there. But there are other areas where you can push back and inco terms would definitely be uh, one of them. 
Yep. Um, I mean, never, never just um, accept what's been presented to you without fully researching what the implications are going to be. And also talk to um, your transport company as well um, and ask them for advice. They can really be your your friend in this situation. Um, You don't want to be stuck doing the import declaration to a very remote, far-flung destination where it might be uh, necessary for someone to actually go to the customs office in person. You know, yeah. that's that's just not going to work. So um, the, these are all things that need to be taken into consideration. But yeah, if you, if you do find yourself having to agree to one thing that perhaps you're not 100% keen on, make sure you push back and get something that's really advantageous to you in return. Yeah. And I suppose all these things are, are areas where you can advise your clients, your your customers, because you've got the knowledge, you've got the experience, you know, and for businesses that haven't been down this this route before, I suppose it, it, it does, you know, it will probably give them, you know, a, a sort of sense of, well, there's there's risk anyway, isn't there? So there's risk of, you know, what if something goes wrong? But then there's also that that fear of, well, you know, there's 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 lots of red tape. There's loads of systems and, and mm-hmm. protocols, and um, we don't really know what we're doing. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. We we don't think it would be worth it, you know. But this yeah. is where your expertise can can bridge that gap for businesses to actually take the plunge and, and get exporting, right? No, absolutely. It's um, and it, it's it's not as difficult and time consuming as and expensive as as people often uh, perceive it to be. Yeah. So, if you've had an inquiry, and this is normally how people start exporting, you know, it's very rare that a company sits down together on a Monday morning and says, "Right, by this time next year, we're going to be exporting these products to <laughs> the USA." It, <laughs> What happens is you get an inquiry from someone in the USA or Indonesia or wherever, and you think, oh, yeah, well, you know, this could be quite profitable and business at home is a bit quiet. Maybe it is time that we started uh, looking further afield and you just sort of learn as you you go along, which is fine as long as you're you're getting good advice along the way to, to make sure you, you don't uh, make any huge mistakes. Yeah. Are there any other sort of misconceptions, uh, you know, that that businesses have about international trade? Oh, that's an interesting one. Probably is that it's it's too difficult and and not worth the effort. Um, yeah. Or yeah, I think I think that is the the main one that I I come across. Um, people think that it's it's more complicated than it actually is, and that it's not going to give them the same. Um, ROI as yeah. the sales at home do. Whereas actually, if you find the right market for your particular product, um, export sales can actually be immensely profitable, um, yeah. especially if you manage to sign uh, an exclusive agreement with whoever you're working with out there and you, you're the first into that market. Yeah, It can be a real shot in the arm for, for your, your company. So definitely worth looking at, you know, for businesses that haven't exported before or haven't done it for years and years and years. It's, it seems to me, yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer, at least uh, in, investigate what the what the possibilities are and uh, 
have a look at it. Get get and speak to an expert. Give Lucinda a call. <laughs> yep, I endorse that one hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay, so what about sort of partnerships and, and collaboration? Uh, how important is is collaboration and knowledge sharing in in helping businesses you know thrive in the, in the global market? Yeah, it's absolutely essential. Um, I'm actually a member of the. Oh, it used to be the DIT, now it's the Department for Business and Trades Export Champions Scheme, yeah. which connects seasoned exporters like myself with people who are just starting out on that journey who might need help with a particular problem or general advice um, on a market that they're considering entering. And it's a really fantastic resource. There are exporters all over the, the country who are prepared to you know give away their, their expertise and their, their time for free to help other people succeed in that area so yeah uh, I would I would really recommend tapping into that resource if there's uh, something that you you want some some insight into and what, and what about you know sort of any government initiatives um I know there's you know trade organisations, but in term, terms of government initiatives, what, what's available to support UK manufacturing, uh, you know, in terms of exporting? Well, unfortunately, we seem to be um, in a bit of a hiatus at the moment. Um, we're, we're waiting to find out what is going to become available. Um, and a really popular one that was excellent in the past was support for companies wanting to do trade shows um, as a yeah. way of testing a new market there used to be financial support for that because there really is nothing like actually going to a country talking to people face to face um, yeah. who could be interested in your product to gauge um, you know whether there is a market there what the price point is likely to be how difficult it's going to be you know again going back to whether you should sell direct or through distributors being on the ground is is absolutely essential. Um, so we'd all like to, to see that brought back. But yeah, it, because they've gone from being the DIT to the DBT, I think a few things have slipped through the cracks recently. Yeah. So we're, we're waiting to find out what's coming back online soon. Oh, well, that's a watching brief then, and and hopefully that yeah. that that facility will uh, will will reappear. Um, as you say, really really useful. It was really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's let's just have a quick chat about you know technology and, and automation. I mean, it, you know, it's it's everywhere. A AI, machine learning, what what whatever you know, robotics. Um, it's it's rife in 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 manufacturing and engineering. In terms of you know wider sort of business systems and, and operations, you know, technology can can really supercharge a business, can't it? In many ways, but in, in terms of international trade do you, are you seeing any sort of developments that you know that may impact you know uk manufacturing's you know a, a ability to to do better internationally yeah absolutely anyone who um closely follows the progress of um what i was talking about before the digitalization of trade yeah um, is going to be well ahead of the game because the amount of paperwork that is currently generated uh, moving goods from from one country to another is is there's a lot of it mm. and it all needs to be accurate and at the moment because there are so many different systems 
you end up putting the same information into the different systems over and over again. So the, the digitalization um, developments is going to mean that for most of this information, you put it in once yeah. and then that communicates it to all of the other people involved. Uh, whether that's the, the customs brokers here or the country that it's going to, the countries it's traveling through, uh, the logistics companies, everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's going to save a huge amount of time and also reduce costs, obviously. And it's going to um, go quite a long way to eliminating a lot of the fraud that exists uh, in okay. the system at the moment. Yeah. So I, I strongly urge any anyone to pay attention to that and make sure that you're taking advantage as as the digitalization progresses because yeah. it, it will be a real game changer for everyone and we are at the forefront of it um so we're in a really strong position to to make the most of that right from the get-go yeah so being in that sort of position of strength that there, there's going to be a whole host of advice and support available locally in the uk for for businesses on that digitalization journey mm, Good. absolutely but because um most customs law follows english law to a certain extent and is is written in english it should be rolled out from here you know singapore is a, another um very early adopter the eu yeah. is is well on its way to getting on board with it as well i'm sure the states will too so yeah it's, it's a very very exciting development and it's going to simplify things and speed things up dramatically brilliant okay and in, in terms of leadership which is you know that's my <laughs> sort of backyard in terms of executive search and and recruitment you know i'm always talking about leadership but international trade businesses in the uk leaders in terms of skills, I mean, are, are there any, you know, particular qualities or skills that you think, you know, successful leaders have or, or should have for, for na navigating successful international trade? Are, are there any sort of, you know, sort of trends or, or, or typical skills or qualities that, that would lend particularly well to, to this environment? Yeah, um, you need to be quite a brave person <laughs> not <laughs> yep. too not too risk averse you need to have um the courage to uh exploit new opportunities when yep. they arise um and i guess you also need to be pretty savvy to spot those opportunities on the horizon you need attention to detail to make sure you you stay compliant with the mm. the rules and regulations um but i think most importantly you need to be able to think creatively to solve problems because yeah. no two days in international trade are ever the same and i know people who've been doing this for over 40 years and they still say that things happen every now and again that surprise them and that they've never yeah. come across before so yeah creative thinking and a positive attitude are absolutely essential Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, and in terms of any sort of entrepreneurs or, you know, sort of startup businesses um, in in UK manufacturing or, or manufacturing related tech that, that aspire to, you know, scale up their business internationally, is there any specific advice you'd like to give those those characters? 
Yeah, uh, go for it 100%, but do your research to ensure you understand the market you're selling to. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned so far is the importance of cultural differences Yeah, and how that will affect your, your sales and marketing um, in particular, but also uh, how you collaborate with your your customers in, in other countries. Um, even in very closely aligned export markets, there can be huge differences that can lead to misunderstandings mm. um, and that that can can cause problems when you're <laughs> trying to and it, it's not just you know physical goods uh, I'm also talking about tech and gaming that kind of thing yeah, yeah. make sure you you understand the, the people that you're you're dealing with you could do a whole other podcast on that Jeff I think <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a good point. I, I'm, I'm going to make a note of that, and that that would uh, certainly make for an interesting, uh, interesting, in, insightful discussion. Brilliant. Okay. And, and lastly, I mean, it's it's been a fantastic conversation so far, and I've really enjoyed you joining me as, as my guest, Lucinda. But are, are there any upcoming projects uh, or any news that that you know from your from your business, the International Trade Consultancy, that our, our listeners might might be you know, particularly excited about what what's sort of hot off the press from 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 you? Well, like many uh, businesses, I'm I'm customer led, and this wasn't something that I'd planned to do when I, I started the business. But lots of clients have asked me to offer customized training sessions that focus on their specific operations rather than the the generalized training on individual large topics that's widely available. Um, okay. So. The way I, I normally do this is I would visit site um, so that I thoroughly understand the business and where the, the gaps um, in, in my client's knowledge are. And then I'll write a training program specific to that product, uh, your customers, your export markets, because yeah. there are so many variables and it makes a, a huge difference as to what you need to know. There's no point spending hours and hours understanding something that you're never actually going to use so um that's what i'm i'm focusing on at the moment and it's proving to be really popular because it often leads to streamlining processes uh yeah. which reduces costs and paperwork and improves profitability and cash flow that's what's most important to a lot of uh, a lot of businesses so great great to hear about the training uh service offering that's fantastic so, Lucinda, that, that pretty much wraps up today's episode of Insights for Manufacturing. It's been a, a fantastic discussion. Um, I hope you've enjoyed your your time on the show. So thank you, th thank you for coming on. Thanks to the, the audience for listening. So that's it for another episode. A look out for the next one. Insights for Manufacturing will be coming up again soon. So see you next time and bye-bye.